Gyro Nation Metal. Welcome back to Gyro Nation Metal for a one-off special episode. Today marks the first day of the Loud as Hell Festival in Drumheller, Alberta. Loud as Hell will go until the late hours of July 31st, headlined by Canadian deathcore band Angel Maker. Today's guest is the heart and soul behind Alberta's Loud as Hell Festival. His love of metal music and community drove him to create a festival that is so fondly thought of by all the bands, crew members, and audience members alike. To top it off, he also owns Jurassic Inc. out of Drumheller, and I am truly honored to speak with Jeff Bore. Jeff, thank you for joining me today. Hey, Jeff. How's it going, man? I'm, I'm doing really well here. I'm, I'm really stoked to be on the podcast today. Thank you. I appreciate that. As I said already, I'm, I'm completely honored to chat with you. This was my first year learning about Loud as Hell. Uh, I think the first person who mentioned it to me was actually um, Amanda Kiernan from Into Eternity. Yeah, yeah she's, uh, we've, uh, she was at year two. So like we're going back to 2013 would have been year two for us. And, and we had Into Eternity with her uh, as one of our headliners that year. So uh, she's been, a, and she's played with other bands as well. So she's, uh, she's been kind of like a, a staple of us uh, and our success. Uh, you know, one of the many, um, you know, we call it the metal family that uh, has been a big part of this. So yeah, she's awesome. Definitely. And speaking of metal family, like um, every guest that I've chatted with who's either attended or played at Loud as Hell has always had nothing but good things to say about the festival. And it seems like they continue want to want to be a part of this year after year. Yeah, it's uh, we're fortunate that um, we can do this and continue to make it grow. It, uh, it's definitely not an easy thing to do, but we're, we're so stoked that when everybody comes out, we try to get everybody on the same page, same mindset. Everyone's there to have a good time, listen to some really good bands and meet some new people, see some new bands. Like it's a, just the whole atmosphere alone just makes it more of like a family to us. So, uh, and we came up with the motto of like the metal family reunion. It's kind of, you know, it's uh, a lot of times that's the only time you see a good group of those people every year is during those odd festivals. You know, there's a few of them that go up in Western Canada and, and that's the time you get to see a lot of people you don't see very often. Not to like, you know, if you're in the, <clears throat> in the city, you see a lot of the same people at the show stuff, but when it's at a festival, you're drawing from a much larger area. Yeah. So it's, it's, it really is like a family reunion kind of thing every year for us. That's such a cool feeling. Um, do you also notice like a lot of the same fan base coming back every year? For sure. It, um, we always get the, the staples that, you know, we always feel that once you come once, you'll tend to come every year. It's, um, obviously, that's not true. We would be super massive. But yeah, we definitely have a huge core of people that support it every year. They they uh, they buy the tickets before we announce the lineup to get in on the early bird pricing because they don't care. They, they know it's going to be uh, a solid and, and, and extreme festival. So uh, yeah, we've, we've got a good, but at the same time, we also have a lot of new people. Last year, we experienced a big uptick in people that had never been before. So uh, it was really nice that we were able to have the opportunity to, to, to throw a festival in 2021. And that benefited us as there was no nothing else going on. You know, all the same things that go on on that weekend, the Kenmore Folk Festival, the uh, Big Valley Jamboree, all these different things are on the same weekend. Though they're different genres and stuff, it still is people are doing things and gathering in those areas. So uh, with nothing going on last year, we really took advantage of that. And it, it showed in our numbers. We were overwhelmed with how many people showed for the festival last year. Yeah, I think you mentioned like your first year, you only had 114 people show up, including band members. But last year was like over 750. Yeah, yeah, it was. It's uh, I mean, it's been a 10 year growth, so it hasn't been easy. But yeah, last year we seen a spike. And, and uh, so, like I said, there was a lot of new faces and we really count on, of those people coming back for the same experience 
better even you know as as each year goes on we do things a little differently and and morph and evolve into what's working the best for us as a festival right so definitely so how did you come up with the idea originally then it, it was just kind of a random kind of a mistake in a sense Interesting. um uh, uh, the other promoter that was with us, he, he doesn't promote with us anymore, but my uh, best friend, Ryan Semchuk, him and I, uh, were doing shows in Drumheller, like just promoting shows. We would have uh, bands that were on little tours, uh, Canadian bands, stuff. We would just try to help them with the spot and throw shows. We have a small town here, but it's uh, it's one of those things that if there's something that's going to be going on for live music, you're going to get that little core of people that just want to get out and do something. You know, we don't get a lot of it. Uh, well, we're still a little better now. Obviously, it's been a, it's been a road. Um, so we getting all these bands through, um, with one of the promoters I was dealing with out of Vancouver, gave us the opportunity to bring the band Kill Devil Hill. And, uh, they're out of the U S it's kind of like a super group. Um, it had Rex Brown from Pantera, uh, Vinnie Apice from, you know, formerly like, uh, Black Sabbath and, um, Heaven and Hell, uh, the guitar player, Mark Zavon, he was with, uh, spent some time with Rat, uh, did a little bit of time with Wasp, a few other things like that. And they were a really cool band. So we're like, okay, this is a little bit bigger scale than what we can do. I mean, we have like a little club here. We can't just have this band come and play this little, you know, 40 person venue. So we were like, okay, let's just try to do like maybe a two day event. There was no camping, nothing. It was just a 18 plus. We rented uh, one of the big halls that are here up at the racetrack and we just threw an event. We ended up just tagging it as loud as hell. We had 10 bands, three played on the Friday night, including Kill Devil Hill. And then we had seven bands the next day. And uh, yeah, it, uh, it was just one of those things that we never planned to be, to be a festival or to do more than one. It was, okay, we're going to, we can't really afford to do this as a one band show. We'd have to sell tickets for a hundred dollars a ticket to even try to make this work. Mm-hmm. You know, they're obviously not a, a super cheap band and you're dealing in American dollars. So uh, if we make a, a little bit of an event out of it, a one-time deal, maybe we can make it work. Even with 114 people all in, doesn't make it work. But at the end of the festival, it just for, for, for the handful of people that really helped us and for the people that showed up and did buy a ticket, um, it was something there. You could tell it was just like a, they wanted it. They wanted more though. So basically by the end of the festival, we had announced on the, on the, the last day that we were going to try this again. And that's cool. Number two, we kept the name Loud as Hell, and here we are, Loud as Hell X this year. We're in our 10th year, so it's, uh, like I said, it wasn't meant to be, but it's something that uh, you could just feel it. So mm. we we went with it. We, 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 we did it. <laughs> We've done it. <laughs> well, now, this year is the 10th year, um, well, 10th festival, not the 10th year, unfortunately. So yeah, yeah, how many... it would be the 11th year, yeah. Yeah, so you only had to cancel one through COVID then? Yes, just 2020, yes. Okay, that's not too bad. Not too bad. Yeah. That like everybody got canceled that year. Yeah. And then again, even last year in 2021, there was only a handful of people that did, did stuff like this. And we just happened to be one of them. Uh, we actually, uh, had inspectors come out and check us out on the Friday night, a couple guys from the AGLC and it was they, they were really good, but, uh, they loved what we were doing and they informed us that like, we were like one of the largest events in all of Alberta that weekend. So oh, cool. it was like, Holy man, this is cool. Like people are, you know, uh, checking it out. So, yeah. uh, yeah, we were really stoked on that. And uh, obviously, you can pass with flying colors. We've been doing this a long time. We've had the AGLC come out and help us uh, multiple times, check out what we're doing. Like, we do everything uh, as straight arrow as we can, you know, and want this to grow and be kind of like a European kind of feeling festival, even though it's a lot smaller scale. Like, we're in Canada, so it's a little different. But 
we're trying to give that that real true festival experience, right? We have on-site camping, food trucks, vendors. Like you don't technically have to leave site for the whole weekend, you know. So that's that's it's uh, we kind of want that experience there. Like there's people that'll just show up on Thursday and drive home Monday, and you know, a bag of dirty clothes, and <laughs> yeah, it's it's a that's what we go for. That's what we're doing. You know, it's it's morphed into that in in ten years or eleven years, I guess. And Drumheller is a pretty unique place to have it too. Like that's in our badlands. We we have a lot of prairies in Alberta for people who aren't um, familiar. And a lot of the driving is pretty fucking boring. So going out to Drumheller is a pretty cool treat. It is. It is for yeah for a lot of people that uh, haven't been out here. It's that's all the thing. You can come out for the weekend. You don't have to be at the festival the whole time. I and mean, while you're here, go check out the museum. Go hit the hoodoos. Go do a, a few things, especially if you've got kids with you and stuff. But, I mean, you don't even have to be a kid to enjoy this shit. You know, I still try to go to the museum every year or two because they're always changing shit and stuff. And it's just a, a cool experience. Like So there's a lot of shit to do in the area. So, you know, we encourage people to bring their families. Come and check it out, you know. Come up, watch some bands, go do a few things, grab some dinner, come back up. Like, it's... It's, it's something that the area has, has a lot more to do than just this. If you're, you know, don't want to come up and listen to 40 bands screaming at you, uh, you can, you can break away and actually have a ton of things you can uh, eat up some off time with. Well, and to touch on that subject too, like you don't have one style of metal, like you have everything from like, um, well, just everything. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> and going through all the genres is kind of redundant at this point, but yeah, you have like over the years, you've had quite the lineup and quite the variety. Yeah, yeah, we try to try to mix it up. It's it's tough, like, um, and, and just as as fans go, the things kind of come, the ebb and flow of certain genres come and go. It's it's interesting, but we've always been known as kind of like an extreme metal festivals, which we like. But I mean that that covers a wide range of stuff. You know, we've had, I mean, we've had the Daigle Abortions play our festival. You know, they're they're not really necessarily metal at all, but they 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 play a style of loud music that suits what we're doing. Um, uh, other bands that that like Striker, they're a metal band for sure, but Again, they're a completely different niche style of, of metal, you know, compared to a lot of different things. There's the thrash metal that like we go on all day with the different genres. And we try to pull a little bit of everything. And we want that if it's a band that you're not sure of or have never heard of, uh, you stick around, and check them out. It might be something you like. If not, the next band's going to be completely different. And it's, uh, it's, it's, it's constantly doing that throughout the whole day, right? You don't want to have the, the same genre like working all day. I mean, it, some people tire of that. You know, you got to be able to mix it up and make these bands stand out a bit more when the, the way you put them in the, into the lineup and, and, and doing it right, you know, building it properly. And that also lends itself well to the um, to like the community and growth that you guys are looking for, or the sense of community rather, um, to kind of encompass everybody and to make everybody feel welcome while kind of focusing on everybody's tastes. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. And that's the other thing too is you know we have to be and keep in mind that like this isn't we don't pick. Oh, we're just gonna like I'm a thrash metal guy, so I can't just have twenty fucking thrash bands. I need to be able to to get what everybody's into and, and, and spread it out. And that's definitely helps all the communities of metal that are out in the underlying areas that we, we, we support and represent. Right. So that's, we're, we're fortunate in Canada, like very fortunate. Uh, we don't see it. Uh, some of us do, but I don't think a lot of people don't see it maybe even more so pre COVID how, how rich we are in talent for the metal music genre right like uh people overseas really respect canadian metal it's a it's a high it's it's, it's we're, we're praised about it over there uh, in a lot of different ways and uh sometimes i thought i i think there's a bit more of appreciation now because we didn't have it for a while but definitely it definitely you know 
I thought we took it for granted a little bit. Like I, I don't personally, but I mean, as a promoter, we get to see everything and we're so rich in talent and so rich in so many different styles. It's uh, we're very fortunate. Like we're, we're spoiled in a sense. Like, again, I have a full Canadian lineup this year, trying to be safe with our, our, our planning and stuff this year with, um, with the way things are. And, and again, we have over 50% of our lineup has never played the festival before. We've been doing this a long time. You know, we've had hundreds and hundreds of bands play our stage and, and we're still so rich in new stuff and bands that are still just coming up from, from, from the ground. Right. Like it's great. We're, we're, we're very humbled at the same time as stoked on how, how rich the talent is in, in Canada and Western Canada alone. Right. Like totally. Yeah. And I'm, I'm kind of embarrassed to say this, but I didn't really, like I knew of a lot of Canadian metal, but I think within the past couple of years, I've focused a lot on it. And I think that's partly due to like the publicity and uh, the, the lack of population, I guess, in our country. Like we just don't have the same impact, I guess, as like Europe or the States because of the lack of people. 100%, 100%. That's that's true. And and that's the thing, like, we, you know, we're never going to be that. Like, like, like we are what we are. We have the people that we have. Our experiences try to make it feel like it's something much bigger, like they have in in Europe, these bigger festivals, or even in the U.S. or, or even down east. You know the you know the heavy Montreal and and some of the bigger stuff they do down there. You know, um, our biggest thing is we really like to support independent music, right? Mm-hmm. I mean that that's that's a big thing. Is a lot of the bands like we obviously have to have some bigger names that that come out and play and stuff and do our thing, but we really have. Uh, a lot of bands to showcase that are independent that this is how they get kickstarted to the next level, you know? And that's, that's a big thing we, we love about the independent scene. So we're very, very fortunate that, that we you know, represent that very well, very well. Yeah. And I'd also say the population has, um, has kind of, we have an advantage because of our population as well, because of that smaller town feel when you come to a festival like this, we're not overwhelmed with people. It's not completely packed. So you have a bit more freedom. And like, to me, it's a little bit more enjoyable because you're not worried about like working your way through the crowd or you're not worried about finding your way back to the campsite at the end of the day. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And drum heller is a perfect testament to that. We have a very small town here, um, but bands have really good shows here. We'll just be on a, you know, we'll just be a gas stop in between, you know, Calgary and Edmonton or Red Deer or whatever, you know, come out for the night. It'll be on a Wednesday night or whatever it is. And it'll end up being, you know, 30, 35 people that are going hard and everybody's buying some merch. And the other night, the band's like, I wasn't expecting this. Like, uh, you know, it's like, yeah, we, it's not, it's not large, but it's very appreciated on what's being done, right? Everyone comes out, everyone's there to support the bands. It's a, it's a cool little scene. So, I mean, obviously, Loud as Hell has helped build that as well because we use that banner for our shows when we do our little fundraisers and other shows throughout the year. Uh, we try to stay a little active, you know, with, with just shows and, and help stuff out. So, it's uh, it's cool to have that little bit of that camaraderie here in our little town. It's We're kind of known as a weird metal place, it's, but really, it's not. It's just a group of us that are hardcore that do what we do. And the rest of the town kind of is just starting to embrace it now. They're like, holy shit, this is actually, you know, getting large, you know? So, yeah. Well, they realized you guys took over. So they're like, fuck it. I can't fight the tide. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. so you mentioned earlier that um, part of the reason that moving towards an all Canadian lineup was kind of safety and travel restrictions and stuff. And then... Um, like I mentioned to you before the podcast here, I, I listened to your episode with Nick Trash of Horrify uh, just yesterday. And 
you were talking about like possible border restrictions and stuff like that. So now that everything is opened up, are you planning on continuing with an all Canadian lineup for future iterations? No, no. no. Okay. We all, we're already uh, working on, on next year on a few things for 2023. And no, we will definitely be uh, doing some international stuff next year. Uh, ideally, we were going to this year. And then just when you know, we, we take band submissions in October, mm -hmm. I start contacting bands in November. I usually have majority of our lineup done before January or in January. So at that time, things were still kind of not sure. So, you know, we went this route, thought it was just to play safe, just because we just didn't know. And at the same time, it's not like, you know, oh, bummer, you know, like we've done Canadian lineups multiple times in our festival. Sometimes it just works best, but that's just the way it works. You know, like we don't necessarily have to get a band and fly them in from, from, you know, like New Orleans, like Godor, when you can get a band like Angel Maker or, or Archspire that are Canadian and you can, you know, get a little bit better. Uh, I don't know, I guess a little bit more user-friendly being that they're so close on the coast and whatnot. Right. So, yeah. um, uh, yeah, and, and we're happy that we, the way we did it this year. Um, we have seen some tours that, uh, as recently as just last month, that were coming into Canada where some shows had to be rebooked because one person would test positive, not even know, and, you know, feel fine. And then all of a sudden there's three shows being rebooked. Like, for us to bring a one-off band up here for one show, that's generally what we do with the headliner. Like, we don't want you to play Calgary and Empton. We want you to come to Drumheller and we'll, we'll treat you for a weekend. And so having a band that would not be able to get over the border on the weekend of the festival would be brutal. So, you know, just it's play it safe, play it safe. Let's go all Canadian again this year. We'll, we'll pump it hard and just we'll, we'll rock it. And then we ended up being able to build what we think is one of our, you can say it every year. It's like our heaviest lineup, but you know, with having Carcosa and, and Angel Make out there, you know, so, so some of the, the, the big up and coming, uh, death core, the heavy, heavy death core that's out right now. Like, uh, it, it definitely feels a little bit of a heavier. You're going to see, some, you're going to get some, you know, it's going to be some dirty breakdowns and <laughs> late at night outdoors, it's going to be dirty. So, uh, again, we, we feel this is one of the more heavier, solid uh, lineups we've ever had. So, yeah, it's awesome. But yeah, next year, uh, we're already in talks with a few things. So, we are already planning to go with international again next year for at least some of them. Yes. Well, I mean, in one of the selling features of Loud as Hell is that there are a lot of Canadian bands. It doesn't mean it has to be every band. 100%, 100%. So out of, other than like the growth of obviously the, the audiences and the, the bands that are coming to Loud as Hell, um, what are some of the biggest changes that you've noticed over the past 10, 11 years? Um, I, I, I find obviously the, the experience really kind of speaks for itself as you go, you know. Um, we always have these stepping stones, that goals that we have each year. It seems now we can adjust to obtaining and making those happen a lot easier than we used to. We used to struggle a lot with trying to build, how do, how does this work? Like we didn't really have a, a, a blueprint. Like I said, we kind of fell into it. So then it was like, okay, let's make it so it's camping. What do we need to do? And, and we've built it. So I find over the years, we've been able to handle our growth with a little more ease, less pressure, a little bit more stability with a full group that we have. So I think one of the things I've learned the most is, is, things take time you have to have patience and now we're at the point that we are still making big gains and big jumps each year like last year we went open air and but we were able to handle these types of things with a lot more assurity and feeling that you know we're making the right decisions it's not so much of a gamble 
I think we just developed the confidence within uh, our group of leaders, our team leaders that we have, uh, and, and the history of it, right? Like a lot of us that um, have been with the festival have been there a long time. You know, we've got some very involved people. You know, I bring up a guy like uh, uh, Dylan Kikiok, who has been our, he's been everything from our head of security to now he's pretty much straight up our coordinator of the whole festival. If I need anything or anybody, anybody needs anything done, that guy can handle everything that comes across the plate. It's having people like that, a strong threshold of things. So learning how to build and build it a proper uh, way where we're not overdoing it and killing ourselves. A lot of festivals haven't been able to make it as far as we have, and we couldn't do it without the, the building blocks that we put in place with everybody. So that's been the best thing that I've learned in the curves, I guess, if that answers your question in that sense, uh, of, of what we're, we've learned is, is how to operate a festival, right? Like this has been a, a learning every year. It's been great people we've met the, the things i learned from all of our peers there isn't anybody that comes into our group that we don't pull from right like it's a it's something that i've learned that's just uh i guess if i were to add even to get a little bit more onto that the feel that like i've learned how how tight the metal community is right there's always a lot of shit going on with a lot of different things but down to the end of the day metalheads love metalheads it's it's a it's it's something that when you, when you see everyone come together, it makes every situation worthwhile of everything that you can possibly imagine. Mm -hmm. That makes, if I'm diving into that too deep, you know, like it's... No, uh, that's perfect. I like it, that. It is. It's, uh, you know, um, yourself, have, have you been to the festival that you just learned about this? Just, you haven't you actually been down our way for it? No. Um, so yeah, like I said, Amanda kind of introduced me to um, Loud as Hell and I was contemplating at, the, at that time didn't really give it much thought, uh, only because I didn't know where I'd be and kind of how things would be same as same as you. But um, then I had an interview with uh, three of the members of Hyperia and they were raving about it basically. And they asked me if I was going, I was like, ah, fuck, I don't know if I'll get time off of work. Maybe I should go, maybe I shouldn't. And then I submitted for my time off, got it approved and now I'm going. So oh, I'm excited. You, you, well, this is, and, and, you go to the festival and after the festival, you'll rewatch this and go, I know fuck exactly what he's saying now, right? When you get there, the experience, the the everything just puts it it, it starts, it goes and it just takes over. It's just it's such a feeling. Seriously. Yeah. And I've not heard um, feedback from a single person that said otherwise. Yeah, and that's 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 good. We try to do that. Like we we try to like uh, everyone's cool. You know, we're not a bunch of big burly idiots and assholes that, you know, we, we, we run a legit shit and it's a lot of fucking fun, man. Like it's, it really is. It's, it's the highlight of most people's summers, including mine, as much as it's, I work, like I get like, you know, two hours of sleep a night if I'm lucky, you know, oh just because there's so much shit going on, but it's, uh, it's, it's all so worth it, you know, and this year, especially like our 10 year, this is, this is big. We've got a few things planned that. It's really going to be special. It's going to be you. I'm glad you're coming to the tenth one because that's the the most important one, obviously, to date. And it's it's going to have a few special things. Awesome. And I know we chatted a little bit before uh, starting a recording here. Is there anything that you can uh, let go for now? I guess. Ooh. There is a few things. Um, let's see. What don't people know? I can tell people that on the Friday night, we have a little something special planned after our headliner for Carcosa. 
Kakosa plays. They're the headliner. They'll be off stage probably just before midnight, give or take. Okay. And we're going to have another special little performance that's going to oh, go on. Uh, we haven't told anybody. We're not telling anybody. It's going to be a nice solo acoustic performance that we're going to do on a 360 stage behind the soundboard out in the grounds. And we're going to light it up with tiki torches and we're going to give everybody glow sticks and we're going to do a 360 stage around a, a, a real special acoustic performer that we're going to have come out. It's going to be our little uh, Friday night after party. We're not telling a fucking person. So the few of you uh, that do tune right in to hear this shit, you're going to you're gonna get a little tidbit and it'll be out there. Uh, so I'll see if I hear it come back through the lines. But yeah, we have this really cool deal planned uh, a little intimate after party with a little full 360 little stage with uh with a really special guest of ours yeah we're, we're that sounds we're really pumped. cool yeah it's gonna and be that's a good way cool. to wind the night down too that's perfect yeah it, uh, the friday night's always kind of everyone gets there and everyone's just charged so you know we we uh, you know, often have had party bands we'll do like a cover band we've had a pantera cover band a metallica cover band a few different things like that we had cocaine mustache from vancouver come out and do uh, the party band one night they were fucking awesome uh so this year we're doing it a little different a little more intimate now that we're open air uh yeah so we're uh we're doing this really cool small stage that people can get seated on hay bales all the way around it and then we're gonna we're gonna make this little acoustic performance just something for the ages it's gonna be cool so yeah, Pumped. just the way you're describing that, it sounds like that further reflects the whole sense of community and belonging that you've been so set on achieving. For sure, for sure, and that's something we do all the time. Like uh, it's an extreme metal festival. There's no hands down. We have forty fucking loud bands, but we also have a, a a lot of other things. Like we do like guitar clinics, drum clinics, bass clinics. We've done vocal clinics. Uh, we've done burlesque shows, uh, freak shows, suspension shows um acoustic performances you know we've had a lot of like even last year we had uh, uh my good friend kyle poolin from canmore come out and just man he just rocked that stage people died over it like it's just so good so passionate and it's cool to throw a little bit of that kind of stuff in keep everyone kind of entertained a little bit going on and it's nice to have a little change of pace i mean last year we even brought out um lil god from vancouver a dj you know he's a he's a metalhead guy but he does some dj stuff now and uh, he came out and did a little set on a couple in between bands just to change things up a little bit and stuff. So um, I think this time we do that with an acoustic performer, but do it in a little bit more of a cooler, intimate setting. Instead of up on the main stage, let's put it out in the grounds and 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 build a little stage, a little platform that people can be all the way around them, get a couple tiki torches going, and make a really intimate, cool experience. And I just think it'll just uh, it'll be a, one of those like you know cheers you know like uh sociable kind of moments that'll everyone will be like holy shit this is really happening like this is cool so yeah 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 it's gonna be cool man you're gonna love it at this point i'm just counting down the days i'm like is it fucking july yet i wish it would slow down a little bit i was like <laughs> we were on top of shit and then just the other day i was like holy fuck the weekend's gone i was just at the red deer tattoo convention this past weekend and i was like holy shit like man it's coming fast Mm -hmm. it's coming fast it's gonna be here well and you're also uh going to decimate an armstrong am i right yes correct yes um uh we put out uh, a booth a table for allowed to sell at both decimate and armstrong every year so um i've been uh 
Uh, Ashley Sloan, and the one that runs Decimate, uh, is, a, is a good good friend of mine. She helps out with Loud as Hell hugely. Um, I'm actually going to be doing the MC duties out there this, uh, uh, not this weekend, next weekend. So oh, cool. uh, um, uh, me and Tina, my, my better half, will be heading out there. She's going to help man the booth down, and I'm going to do some MCing. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, I'm a big Arrival of Autumn fan, big Planet Eater fan. She has got a great little lineup there. I can't, uh, I'm pretty stoked for it. So, yeah, and then, uh, yeah, two weeks after that is Armstrong. I can't wait to see Jesse and the boys out there. Um, uh, we uh, we all, all three of those festivals, plus a few more, the Hyperspace Metal Festival and the Metal Obstic Festival, uh, both in BC. We all run um, together as uh, the WCMFA. Uh, we refer to it as the Western Canadian Metal Festival Alliance. Uh, we've been going for about, I think, about five years now we've had this group. So um, I'm the president, uh, Jesse Valstar, with the Armstrong Metal Fest is the vice president, and a bunch of other of us are involved. Uh, we have a general meeting once a year. We all get together. The meeting takes place in Alberta one year, BC the other year, it bounces back and forth. So we all stay in contact quite a bit, and we really help each other grow our festivals, make sure we're not, you know, we're learning from each other, what's, what what went well, what went bad, try not to step on each other's toes, make sure everyone's dates are aligned so no one's at the same time and creating, you know, that stuff. Uh, it's something that we've been doing. So, yeah, I, I definitely uh, I love going to Armstrong. It's kind of fun for me. As much as we run a booth and I do a bunch of interviews while I'm out there kind of on the fly, it's kind of like experiencing loud as hell without having to work so much. So I get to kind of like it's, you know, get out there and have a lot of fun and and take it in uh still have to work and behave a bit but get to really have some fun so i look forward to that uh, and same with decimate so it's uh yeah we're i love it i i look forward this is festival season now it's it's go time right like it's 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 go time now uh we just hyperspace was uh just back uh, in april out in vancouver i didn't make it out to that one unfortunately it was bad timing uh for me but um and then we still have uh the other ones coming obviously decimate and armstrong and loudest health so yeah, we're huh, lots to do. It's gonna be great. We're all two two weeks apart, right? Like Decimate goes, two weeks after that is Armstrong, two weeks after that is loud as hell. The guy wanted to do a little, you know, every second weekend tour. Not a bad idea. You get to see some rad bands. There's not a lot of crossovers between all the lineups. There's been a few bands, but for the most part, uh, all 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 the headliners are all different and all the crossover. It's a, it's great, it's awesome. Which is also why we have this group is we, we truly try to support each other and to make ourselves unique to each other, right? So, well, I mean, that goes to show, like, like you said earlier, how much talent we do have in Canada. But it also working with the team also allows each of you to do more uh, without having that extreme amount of responsibility on any one person. For sure, for sure, yeah. No, it's been a, it's been a, it's been a positive thing all the way around. Uh, we have our own Facebook page and stuff. We're uh, uh, We've got some things coming in plan with that as well that that'll we'll get to in the future but uh, yeah we'll look for big things coming from our group as a whole uh for all the festivals sounds good um you talked about earlier uh like organizing a lineup like so what goes into organizing a lineup for you and how do you slot the bands into ter- certain time frames yeah it's uh it's we generally do a, a panel like i'll have a, I have a panel of people that we bring in and we take all the band submissions now, we already have bands that we're in talks with before we even take band submissions. Um, we have a, a what's the, an equation that we use for our lineup. Say we have 40 bands that we're looking at, even though we have 44 this year. Uh, 40 bands, we'll say, well, we want at least 
50% to be bands that have never played the festival before. Half our lineup's got to be brand new. No one's ever seen at our stage. And then we'll do maybe 25% that have played the year before because a lot of the new bands that just, you know, something clicks really well. It's like, man, those guys need to come back next year. They 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 had, you know, they, they did what they were to do there. And then 25% of bands that maybe have played the festival before but haven't played in four years or five years or whatever the case may be. So we have an equation that we try to follow. Um, as now, we're, we're trying to improve our, our our margin on bands that have never played before a lot wider. So that's where we're getting a little bit more into the submissions. Generally, our headliners, we, we know bands that we've already tried to get on tours. We try to get certain things lined up. So generally, the, the premier bands, we have already got contacted and, and you know, on the go. Then whatever we do to follow suit with that, we basically go through all the submissions with the panel and we start rating things and we start going things and we start a, a second list and a third list and and start going through. And uh, usually we can get it done in one long eight to 10 hour sitting. We just, uh, we all get in a boardroom and pull up a big screen with someone's laptop and we just pound through it, take a listen to music. It's a, it's a fun day, but everyone gets a little bit of say and a little bit of notes. And then we start crunching it down for, you know, what makes sense. Um, we have to be cautious on where the bands are coming from. You know, we get probably uh, 150 submissions from Alberta, maybe even more. Uh, say we get 400 submissions, 50% of them is probably from Western Canada. So you get all these bands from Alberta. Uh, we can't just have like, you know, 25 bands from Edmonton and only four or five from Calgary. We try mm-hmm. to we try to spread this out that that, that they're, they're, it's not just a domination from one local area. That also helps with when you're trying to sell tickets, right? I mean, we want a band that's going to represent like Medicine Hat or Lethbridge or Red Deer, Grand Prairie, these places. We get people coming from there. But when those bands that they're a little bit more familiar with, that makes them, you know, have a little bit more familiarity with the lineup as they see it. With having so much, um, if you're not into the independent scene, you're not going to recognize a lot of the bands, especially lower on the poster. You may have heard of the stuff that's up top, but as you get down to the the meat and potatoes of everything that we have, they're all really good, talented people. But just maybe you've never heard of or, or don't recognize a name because they're on an independent scene. You know, these guys are bands that are still, you know pushing their CDs and, and doing shows for $5 and trying to get things going. So um, we basically whittle it down by where they're from, the genre of music. Obviously, again, we don't want to have just all one genre of music. We want to split it up. So we everything gets kind of categorized. And then we start breaking it down to, you know, what, what fits where and, and what following do these bands have? You know, you take a look at their Instagram, how how active are they? You go on their Facebook page, you see how many you know people are following them on those social media pages, their YouTube, their video. You can buy a lot of social media shit, but you really take a look at everything to see where they're at and what their following is like and how active they are. And those bands, you know, you, you kind of weed it out to where they should be on the lineup. And it's really tough when we have bands that are playing so early in the day that are like just phenomenal fucking bands. But I mean, that's what's so great about what we're doing is we have talent from the first band at the pancake breakfast all the way to the last band in the evening, right? So uh, it's 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 a process to whittle it down. Um, say we get 400, we, get, we average about 400 submissions a year. I, I'd say up until the last couple of lineups, 
uh, we maybe have room for nine or 10 bands at most out of all those submissions. It's not easy to break. Like it's a, it's a lot of competition. Um, some bands have figured out how to be unique and get our attention. Um, I'll use the band um, Black Friday. They, uh, I mean, Brad Thompson in that band is a bit of a video uh, genius, uh, doing, does videos for their band and other bands and stuff. And so they made a video about kidnapping myself and Ryan. And <laughs> it, it was actually pretty good. It was a submission video. I mean, we wouldn't just take a band just solely on that purpose. Their music, their writing, their, their, the quality that they put out is very, very good. So, But that just also made them stand out a little bit more. It's like, oh, that's pretty good. That's a little funny little video they did. Let's really take a little listen to see, you know, and the music backs it up and stuff. And it just ends up being that that's stood out. That, that took that spot over somebody that maybe sounded just as good, but didn't quite have the submission as solid, right? You know, so a lot of different things come into play with that. Uh, we ask some random questions on our submission form. It's a form you fill out. Okay. And we always ask people if they will play for free. See what they say, right? Um, a lot of times in the past, the festival, you had to have bands for play for free. Like, we don't have a massive budget. Like, we don't, you know, we don't sound like we have $100,000 to spend on this. Uh, you know, if we could sell 300 tickets, you know, we get a budget of like $40,000 in total not even like less than that in ticket sales, but like, like it's, it's, it's not a lot to work with. So, you know, we budget things out. Now we make sure every band at least makes a minimum of a hundred dollars to pay for their gas or whatever. That's a, a bare minimum, but it's not easy to do a festival. It's not like doing a show mm -hmm. at a venue in a city where you can pay bands a lot differently on a festival. We have 40 bands that all want a piece of the pie. Right. So we do other things to compensate that. Like one of them is we allow bands to sell the merchandise the entire festival, right? Have it set up. We run the merch booth for you. You don't have to run it. Oh, cool. That, yeah. And we take 0% cut on that, right? Mm -hmm. So whatever you sell at merch, you guys keep. We know that we can't pay all the bands fucking $500. So, you know, there's a little perk that we can offer. Not only can you leave your merch up all weekend, but you get to keep 100% of the funds that they sell it. Right. So, mm -hmm. and, and it's zero, zero, uh, zero work to them. They do the count with the merch team when it comes in, they do a count when it comes out and it's done deal. Right. So uh, little things like that. We also offer a free pancake breakfast on Saturday and Sunday morning. That's for everybody. Nice. Even for some of the bands that are planning to come out and stay the whole weekend. You know, I don't play it on Sunday, but I'm going to come out for the weekend and check it out. Well, you know, we, we're definitely going to feed people too. You know, like we, 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 we try to bring that type of family feeling. It's that's what we do. Right. That's we, really cool. Make sure everyone's fed in the morning, you know, yeah. let's start the day off. Let's go. Well, that again, lends itself well to that community feeling. But when you'd mentioned that you ask if a band would play for free, I think that, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's kind of like a feeler question because if they're willing to do that, then they'll probably have a better time. But you're also working with the lack of like, say, an infrastructure that you would have in a city. So like, obviously, transportation is a pain in the ass. Uh, you don't have some of the facilities out in the middle of a field. So you're, you have a lot of things going against you. So you're doing very creative things to make it more appealing for absolutely everyone. For sure, for sure, and that's that's the that's one of the things. That's why we ask those type of questions. Mm -hmm. I think I think we get uh, sometimes people people could assume that oh, if we we want you know we won't play for free that that their submission would get cited for someone that would. That's not the case at all, right? We like creative response. We like creative things. The other question we ask on our submission form is 
what makes you deserve a spot on our roster over other bands, right? And it's funny, some a lot of bands will be like, we don't deserve it over anybody. We just, you know, we like what we do kind of thing. And they get real honest about it. But we're looking for, you know, just people to just, you know, utilize it, be different, do something, say something that's either super honest or the other side. You know, like some people, you ask if they'll play for free. Well, how about two hand jobs and, uh, and a <laughs> bag of M&Ms, you know, it's like. You know, that's you easy enough to sense, do, fine. Yeah, you, you, can, you can sense the the humor of how the people are responding to that, you know. Uh, we're not saying that you have to play for free. We're not mm -hmm. offering you to play for free. But we're just trying to make a, a little bit of a, an interesting way to get response and and have some fun with what we do. You know, it's a, it's a long process. It's great to see that people can have some fun with it and not take it too serious, right? Mm -hmm. There's other bands that are completely serious, and that that's cool too. I mean, some bands are legitimately, it's they have an agent that'll send stuff in and everything's straight and narrow, and here's our links and everything, and here's our EPK. And that's totally cool. We'll go through it all, check it just as diligently as anyone else, right? We play for free. No, we need at least this guarantee, or no, we would never do that, or whatever, right? You know, most bands they say we just need some gas money, you know, and it's that's cool. That's an honest answer. We don't we're not asking you to play for free, we just want to know what you would say. Exactly. Right? Like it's uh like you said, it's just a an interesting way to get the, the feedback and, and the way it is, you know, it's something we do. When it comes to um being in talks with a band and kind of inviting them for the next year, how does a band set themselves apart from everyone else to have that opportunity? You're meaning like if they've never been before or if they've been and want to come back? Sorry, I didn't catch that. Uh, either or. So earlier you said that um that you're currently in talks with some bands. So my assumption, yes. and maybe this is wrong, but my assumption was that they didn't have to submit for it. Yes, correct. So in that case, what um, what does a band have to do to set themselves apart from the the pack of submissions, I guess, is a good way to ask a question. Um, I, I guess that that's getting more to like the, the bands that we would consider our headliners. And oh, okay, okay. A little bit more of the premium grade, right? Mm -hmm. Um uh, like an example, like Angel Maker, they didn't mm. put a submission in. No, Carcosa didn't submit. Neither did Endast or Neck of the Woods or any of those bands. They didn't put submissions, and those are bands that we targeted to to have play the festival. Okay. So um, obviously, if once a band gets to those levels, I mean, they don't do that anymore. Really, they they, they the other promoters are chasing them, right? Or they're setting up tours and stuff. So it's a little different. So when uh, I guess that that would be the one thing. Um, it's, it's funny though, like as, a, as we feel like we're a family, it's funny how someone will send us a message after, you know, six years of submitting their band and not making it on any bill and they get a little frustrated with it. And I, I said, well, have you been to the festival? Oh, you've, and they say, well, no, we've never been. It's like, so you've never even came out and marketed your band or come out and checked it out. You don't even know what it's about. We've been around for eight years and you've, you've never even just volunteered or come and see what it's about get to know a few people i mean even if you're not playing the festival it's a huge marketing opportunity for people it's massive you're gonna have there's there's so many promoters there there's like it's all promoters all the promoters are here it's like like jesse from amf is gonna from armstrong is gonna be there sloan she's gonna be there from decimal metal fest joey from hyperspace like all these people are gonna be at the festivals like Go there, meet people, meet the bands, meet other bands, get your that that it's it's funny how it's oh man, we've never made it and you're free, you're in Calgary and you 
You haven't been out to our festival, not even to check it out. You know, you don't even necessarily have to buy a ticket. Fucking volunteer a couple merch shifts and and check it out. You know, but it's 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 some people don't take it as as a whole idea of that this is a huge marketing idea. Like this is you want to market your bad or something you're doing. How could you get anything better? You're going to have 750 like-minded individuals of all types, from fans to promoters to bands to it's all in one spot. It's a, Agreed. Yeah. Think of it as a metal convention in that sense, right? Like, That's just so it. totally. Um, it's funny because uh, there, there's been a, a band that is on our bill this year. Now, I'm not. I'm, and I'm again. I, I don't go by the fact that um, this band that I'm about to mention, they've they a few of their members have volunteered multiple years. They just didn't volunteer and get on the bill. It doesn't you know these guys in Rising Sun, great band. Uh, they've been on our radar. Last couple of our festivals, they've came and volunteered a few of their guys and kind of, you know, really got out of the way to introduce themselves and make themselves known. And all of a sudden we're starting to know them by their first name. And, yep. oh, now we're looking at the submission. Yeah, we know these guys. They, they're hard workers. Let's, let's take another look at that submission. And, and lo and behold, you know, they've put themselves in a position to be noticed and mm-hmm. recognized. And for them, they use that as a marketing tool if you will yep. to do that right whether they it was because they volunteered or they just ended up showing up and handing out some stickers like, like it's it's it, it, you're in a campground with a whole bunch of people you yeah. can't go from camp spot to camp spot without someone offering you a drink or something how about you be that guy that's handing out your stickers yeah we're not playing but we plan to be here next year right like it's yeah it's an opportunity that people sh- could take advantage of in that sense like it's the marketing's unreal well, and it's it's a perfect networking opportunity, like you said, but networking. it's also, yes, it's, and I don't like thinking of going to a festival as like an investment, but it does, it is kind of an investment if you're willing to volunteer, willing to show up for those three days, get your name out there, get more publicity. Like the worst thing that can happen is you gain more fans. So I don't know why bands wouldn't take themselves seriously enough to attend the festivals they're looking at playing at. 100%, 100%, especially in the independent world that, you know, our local scene, which we consider Alberta, yep. you know, like it's, it's totally, totally 100%. Well, then you get a chance to see their work ethic too. Like, and not necessarily if they're volunteering, but if they're there and they're handing out their stickers, they're obviously pumping themselves up. They obviously believe in themselves. So you see that even as an audience member, you're like, yeah, fuck, I want that attitude to come to my show, to come to my festival. Totally, totally. And, and it's, it's, it's such a party, right? Like I said, even after all the bands are done at the end of the night, there's campfires going until the morning kind of thing, right? So when I mean, you can go around and you meet so many people, if you're introducing yourself and getting out there, all of a sudden you're starting to see those people at other little shows throughout the year and the networking that you're starting to do all of a sudden, yeah, you know what? Our band is playing this year. All of a sudden you've got this network of, of people that are familiar with who you are already. Like it's, it is a good opportunity and we, we love to provide that to people, right? Like, yep. yeah, it's one of the, it's one of the funny things that I use rising sun as an example that, uh, you know, uh, but even bands like all else fails, um, they've been on our lineup probably four or five fucking different years. Yep. If they're not in the lineup, they're still fucking there. Like they're there. They're, they're like, you know, they're just up front as everybody else. And, and they're as much of a fan as they are as a, a, a great performer on our stage. So yeah. And uh, if that, nothing else, cool. it's a great show. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's another cool thing too. Is like, I always get the comments like, man, you know, like all the bands and everything, everyone just camps together. It's like, yeah, I can remember. It was like, what year was it? Oh, the year we had Villainizer playing, it was like one of their last shows. And 
I remember someone telling me, someone I didn't know, and they were playing beer pong with these dudes that were so cool. They didn't realize until they were on stage that they were in villainizer. It was like, <laughs> he was telling me the stories. Like I had no idea that those were those same guys. I was like, we're like smoking joint, drinking beers. I was like, yeah, like it's everyone's a family here. It's no one's higher up than anybody else. I mean, I got a, a, a good example of that is the band Battlecross. They mm -hmm. headlined our sixth year. They're from Detroit. Um, uh, it was loud as hell, six six six, and uh, they they like to party and have a good time too. So they played on the Sunday night. They headlined. Their plane left at like ten a.m. in Calgary, five thirty in the morning. We couldn't fucking find two of the guys in the campsite. Like they're <laughs> they're out niggling, signing tents and shit. It was like holy shit. Like we got to find these guys. But that, that's that's what it was like. People were like, oh, the bands come right out and just like it's it's yeah, like no one's. There's no rock stars here. Yeah. We're all on the same level, whether you bought a ticket, you're volunteering, you're promoting it, or you're performing. We're all on the same, same line, right? Like it's, it's super cool that way. Super cool. That's really cool to imagine. Cause like one of my, one of the things that I've done for years is uh, when I go to metal shows, I like to meet the bands. Often I try to get my, like the CD album covers signed. And anyway, so long story short, that's one of my goals going to the shows. Cause then I start to appreciate the music a little bit more. And then just seeing the band members in the audience is something that I really appreciate about the metal community. So I can only imagine it being like exponentially, that feeling exponentially increased by being at a three day festival where everyone just stays there. Absolutely. It's all I say is you have to experience it, right? Like you have to see what what it, what it, what, it, what it's like when it goes down that way. It's it's crazy. It's crazy. When it comes to your guys' lineup and bringing back bands that have played in the past, um, you you spoke a little bit about how not only do you want the festival to grow, but there's that um, the perception of growth. And so, I guess it's not much of a question, but I can see how having some of the same bands would make the festival seem a little bit stagnant but at the same time like if you continue introducing more and more bands every year it's like okay you still have the the staples or the people that you really enjoy playing but then you have that appearance of growth by having different bands every year and different levels of bands if that makes sense for sure for sure that's it's, it's something that um we didn't always do mm -hmm. and um i i put a ton of passion into this 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 my baby this oh, i can tell and um, I can recall, I believe it was year four or five. Um, I read a review on the festival and it was a good positive review, but the one knock they had was that it seemed like there was too many returning bands mm -hmm. and I, I really took it to, I was like, Oh, they're right. Fuck. And it, 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 it like hurt my feelings, but I needed that because it, it was like, yeah, you know, that's right. I can't, I gotta, I gotta make sure that just that things are rotated in a certain way. And, and as that was happening, it was the same time we got in with the Armstrong and these other festivals and created the, our Alliance group. And that was one of the things we learned and took from Armstrong, who's been going stronger than us for a few, a few years longer. And one of the things they said is, you know, we have a balance of a, an equation we use and that we took that page from them and that we've kind of made our own page out of it with the way we do it and how it evolves. I'm sure they've changed it since then as well, but yeah, that's, um, it's, uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> I don't know what else to say about that. Like it's, no, uh, fair enough. it's, yeah, it's that, that, that hurt me. So that ever since then, 
I, I, I really took that properly. Like I used it as constructive criticism to be, you know, they're right. This is a really good festival. And I like a lot of things about it, but there was probably too much of the higher end day bands that the headliner type bands that had played the year before and the year before that sort of thing. And I, I definitely could see that. And I also didn't want it to seem like I was just, you know, playing favorites or anything like that. Like a lot of it comes down to scheduling, what it, what it's costing, you know, and, and, you know, like I said, we don't have a big budget. It's not like we could just throw, you know, uh, first couple of years we did this, you know, we always got this people, stupid emails. We were like, why don't you get disturbed or five finger death punch? And it's like, <laughs> no, no, <laughs> that's, that's not what we're doing here, guys. We're an yeah. extreme metal festival focused on independent music. we you know, if, you know, we have fit for an autopsy, we had goat whore battle cross, more bands like that. Like we're not going to have a $50,000 band. That's got to be limoed in on a, you know, like that's not what we're doing here. We have a, a much more perspective of, what we want to see to support what's local, mm -hmm. you know, everybody gets a chance to see those big bands every time they come to every arena that comes through Alberta, right? Like there's always a tour. It's always, you know, they'll hit Calgary, Red Deer, Edmonton. You know, we don't, we don't want what that's going on. We don't want that mainstream thing. We want something special that people come out and appreciate what's, what's the difference between that and what we do. Yeah. Right? Well, and if you think about it, like, Say if a band came to Calgary, which is where I'm from, um, if a band came to Calgary every single year, chances are I wouldn't go and see every one of their shows because I know that they're coming. They might not even put out new material before their next show. And it's like, hey, well, if I am guaranteed to see them, then what's the rush? So you have to bring 100%. in that uh, those little um, treats for people to want to pick at yeah. and to say, like, well, fuck, that's one of my favorite bands. I want to go. And the next year, maybe their favorite band isn't headlining, but hey, there's like 15 other ones that I fucking love. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Are you guys planning on staying with uh, open air from here on in then? I know that yes. this year is going to be, but for the foreseeable yes, that, future, awesome. That's the goal. I mean, it's so weather dependent. It's totally. such a it's such a fuck around. It really well, is. Honestly, though, rain's not going to fuck with anything. No, no, but we get shitty winds and stuff. Oh, and fuck yeah, that's true right too, right? Um, and the way we have it set up, the heavy rain would would create a little bit of a a bummer on things. We don't have any shelter there. Mm. Um, like we've got a little made canopy over the stage, but other than that, there's not really much there. So we've been planning to go, wanting to go open air for years, but just could never really afford to take the extra step. That's a big jump. When we were able to, well, it, it's a lot of extra cost. So you have all the existing costs you have. Yep. Now, generally your sound and production cost goes up. You're going to outdoor so oh, therefore, okay. you're not shooting a hall where now we're going to more of a line array setup, a little bit more power. We're also running um, more trussing, all the outdoor stuff that's going to come with that, uh, all the canopy, all that stuff. Then we have to make a, a whole fenced in area. So we have to rent fencing to bring it in. All the porter potties we got to bring in because when we're doing the inside of the venue, there's toilets in there. It's a whole lot of different things. Now we're going outdoors. It's completely sustainable outside. We had to buy all the different um, vending tents and all the, like, there's just so much more to the setup and stuff of what we're doing, whether than instead of having a venue for it. So the cost therefore goes way up. I mean, just the porta potties alone is a, you know, like a four or $5,000 cost that before it was like 2,500, $3,000. Now it's almost double because, and we have to even extend that this year because it's 
one of the biggest things we had a problem with last year is just we had way more people than we thought we were going to and and our we just our protocol just couldn't keep up so we you know we've had to order more this year and it's a, again it's a the cost of going outdoor it's the getting the fence we're in drum heller we can't rent fence here we got to get it from the city so we got to yeah. transport it out here everything everything comes together so it's a yeah it's an expense that last year we, yeah last year we were able to keep our lineup uh, all canadian on short notice and we were able to get it for a fairly insignificant cost we had zero flights all this sort of thing so we were able to save some money that way that we were able to make so we could go open air the idea of going open air was last year is because of covid we weren't gonna be forced to be at a venue and have like 50 percent capacity like how the fuck could you do that like the, there's no way we can have the festival operate so i was like well then we go outdoor and then we don't have any capacity issues we can sell as many tickets as we want people mm-hmm. can social distance as much as they want and now we've made that step this year we're going to continue and just keep it going now on the down the or not the downside the the plus side that we have if the weather goes down on us it's it's kind of those things we're going to be open air if we get to thursday and we're starting to set up and the forecast looks like it's going to be absolute garbage then we're moving the stage right indoors we're right at the hall we're right there oh nice stage is set up right outside of the building cool so like it, it, we could even if halfway through the weekend of the, 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 the weather went to shit, we could have it broken down and taken inside and reset up within three to four hours. We figure with the right number of people, which in that scenario would be pretty much volunteers. Anybody, let's move this and we'll we'll break it down and get it get it done. So we have that as a a fallback. So I can like to say yeah, every year is open air. If the weather goes to shit, we'll move it back indoors, which. It's fine, but open air is definitely where we want it to be. Yeah, and that's a great backup plan too. Yeah. Yeah, you got to have your shit covered. Who do you partner with for the Loudest Hell beer? Uh, that's um, a Drumheller Craft Brewery. Okay. It's a microbrewery in Drumheller, the only one that's here. It's a Valley Brewing. I'm representing their hat. Um, yeah, they uh, this this is they've been around three years now. So um, they sponsored us, uh, the year before last when we got canceled. So we didn't get a chance to really do anything in 2020. And then last year they actually created a beer can for us. It was, a the loud light logger and had our logo on it with some shit. So, um, uh, they're sponsoring us again. We have a new can design, uh, for our beer this year. It's super rad. I just, we just approved it. Me and the wife just approved it, uh, yesterday, like the, the final design on it. So, uh, we will have the Valley Brew loud as hell lager uh, available at the at the grounds this year again, as well as all the other Valley Brewing uh, specialty beers they make. Their sours, their IPAs, their uh, their copper lager, all their their goodies. They're an excellent brewery, uh, which ties right in really well. The whole thing, the brewery is new. They just built it. Uh, my tattoo studio that I own, Jurassic Inc., is on the second level, so they brew the beer right below me. Oh, perfect. The master brewer down there, my good, good friend, Nick, uh, Nick Patterson. He's a really, really good drummer. I mean, him have been in a band together before. He's also got two full sleeves from me. So we've got a family there. Uh, his now the band he's in is My Mortal Remains, which is the only drum heller band on the lineup this year. They play second there on Friday. I got the thing in front of me. They play Friday at 5 p.m. My Mortal Remains. So the head brewer, uh, and funny enough, the apprentice brewer that brews with him is the singer of the band. 
So as you can see how this all ties together, we get a badass beer can from a badass brewery with metalheads that blare metal all day, brewing the beer to a tattoo studio owned by a metalhead upstairs, blaring metal all day. And I put on this fucking festival. It's like a match made in heaven all the way around. I don't know how else to say it, right? No, that's incredible. Like, I, yeah, it's a lot of rad. things that came around like full circle that just works so well together. 100%. When I was like, it's, it's like I said, it's, it's ideal. It's mm-hmm. ideal. Have you uh, given any thought to doing like a loud as hell beer lineup? So like an IPA, a lager, like a sour, stuff like that? I'm not sure if we could pull that type of thing off. It'd be a little tough. Um, it should be expensive, we can do, we, not, No, not necessarily. Ideally, ideally, uh, I'll, be, I'll be straight with you. Uh, I, got, I got nothing to hide. Um, we get to pick which beer goes in our beer. Okay. It's, it's not, they don't brew it as a loud as hell beer. We can take whatever beer they have on tap and put it in our can. That's cool. Last year, we, we, we chose one, and it was the light lager because, A, it was super fucking hot last year, like 38, 39 degrees. It was ridiculous. And everybody can drink a light lager. If I did an IPA, it's going to be people that are really going to like it, but it's going to be a select handful that really like it, that like IPAs. Or if you do a sour there's only a select certain number, uh, you know, the, the demographic is a lot smaller for people that like sours or IPAs or or uh, whatever, you know, stouts, all these different types. So we go with light lager because it's kind of the, the easiest drinking mm-hmm. all around beer. If people at a festival, you want to be drinking lots of beer, stay hydrated, light lager is the way to go. So it's, it's a light lager. Um, but we have a choice to do anything, really. So, I mean, ideally, if we wanted to put a little uh, marketing to it. We could probably come up with a small line where it's just different cans because they do have a really good IPA. They just won a, uh, I don't know, a Canadian award for their IPA, actually. Oh, cool. uh, so we will be carrying all their other beers up there, like their IPAs or sours. Uh, I'm a sours guy, personally. I love sours. They just put out a mixed four-pack. Nice. This strawberry rhubarb. Amazing. Blackberry lemon is so good. But yeah, uh, enough about them, guys. But honestly, it's uh, it's awesome. So maybe something we look at. Uh, but we do the light lager. That's just sense. But we could do anything we wanted, really. We could take like they've got a coffee beer. Like they they got a whole bunch of different things. We could we could take all of them. But generally, it's got to be one that we'll do to process all the cans. Mm-hmm. So all the cans get printed at one time. So they'll say right on it what it is and the percentage and everything. It's got to have that on that. So we could just like take the same can and do this batch in IPA and this batch in the copper and this batch in light. It's all going to be one kind of batch unless we were to get multiple different cans made. So that could take a little bit of work, but I like the thinking process. You could also do like a, like kind of like a off sales of a mixed pack or something like that, like a 12 pack of four different kinds yeah. of beers that people can take yeah. home. Cause I was, um, as you were talking, I was like, fuck, I hope they do off sales. Cause I want to keep like one of the cans and maybe every year not. pick up another one up. You do not. They're Interesting. not allowed. The AGLC does not allow us to do off sales. So if you, if you, <laughs> that's the way it is. <laughs> um, but it's also the way it helps the deal work for us with um, Valley Brewing. They stock that beer for the weekend at their cooler down at their tap room. Oh, cool. So if you want an off sale, you can go down there and buy a four pack of oh, it perfect. from them. Yeah. So that's also how the AGLC makes it work so that if you want to buy it, you got to go visit the brewery, right? Well, it's not like it's that far of a drive. It's like, what? Yeah, minutes? no, no, it's not. It's, it's not. <laughs> it's not. But it's, uh, you know, so yeah, you can go down there and buy it to take home. But you can also, 
Uh, if it's an empty can, you can take it out of the grounds. The security will check if it's empty. And you can take just an empty can as a keepsake or something. But yeah. a lot of people like a full unopened can is there kind of like their keepsake. We actually kept a couple that were left over last year and uh, we just gave them as like giveaways at our fundraiser. We just did the Tessitura. We did a couple of like, you know, that's probably beer is probably not going to taste as good now, but it's an unopened can that you can, you know, put it up with your, you know, your collage of loud as hell memory or your, your metal rock era of your house, you know, so yep. that you can put it up there. Yeah. So yeah, it's pretty cool. Totally cool. Totally cool. Awesome. Um, so now kind of moving into a more personal question, obviously you're a metalhead. You wouldn't put this on if you didn't like the music. So I'm just wondering what your introduction uh, to metal was like, and are there any specific genres that you gravitate towards? Um, I think uh, I, I got into like, I wouldn't say metal at a younger age, but definitely into rock music. Mm. Uh, growing up, my both my parents, my mom was a country. So I actually have a pretty extensive country background of knowledge um like with older country um my dad was a gospel guy johnny cash uh conway twitty stuff like that so that's how i think i got into music with that kind of stuff but then as i got you know preteen, teenager it would start to rebel into the attracted to the heavier or louder stuff um I, I can remember listening to like Bon Jovi, like Slippery When Wet, when like, you know, You Give Love a Bad Name was out. It was like, I remember watching that video young going like, yeah, this is more me, you know? And that led me to uh, Motley Crue. And I, I was probably the biggest Motley Crue fanboy, you know, through my early teens until uh, I got introduced to like Metallica. And that would have been... Um, uh, would have been Master of Puppets was probably the first Metallica I heard. That got me into a little bit of the heavier stuff. And by the time I was middle teens, I I was full into Slayer, Megadeth, Napalm, Death, all that older stuff. I found myself gravitating then to thrash metal. Like I really loved Slayer. Anthrax was a huge influence younger. Um, I like the fun that Anthrax have. And then even till this day, I'm 46 years old and I still am heavily gravitating to thrash metal. That is my my favorite personal. Uh, I, I, I like the thrashy stuff. Like I, I still listen to like old school Anthrax and stuff, but I also love a lot of the new thrash bands like uh, Havoc and stuff like that, Municipal Waste and stuff that's just, you know, classic. I love it. I love it. So um, as I got a bit older, I just got it. And then... Um, I, I grew up in a little town, Cranbrook, BC. Yep. And then once I got out of high school, I moved to Calgary to get work, like you know, nothing to do in BC and, and started just uh, going to shows. It was like, man, I can go out to these concerts now. Like before I moved to Calgary, I'd seen like Haywire live and, uh, I can't remember. Oh, I seen uh, the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band with Sawyer Brown. And Sawyer Brown was like the 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 rockiest concert I'd ever seen. And it's a country guy still, but it was like that was it. And then I can remember going to uh, uh, I went to an Offspring show, and that was really rad. And I went to Motorhead, a lot of these older shows that were going through like the Max Bell Arena and stuff. And I got to see uh, a lot of bands. First time in Calgary, it's like man, I was going to go to everything I can see. I was a young kid. I was working hard, uh, working in the oil patch. I was just making money. It was like I can see every show I can see. So I started seeing like everything that was coming around. And just live music was. It was like, okay, I'm into music. I'm into live music. I do play. Like I, I picked up a guitar, uh, but live music is something different. I don't even. I don't even have to be a. It doesn't have to be metal. 
good live music is good live music in yep. all genres. Like I've seen so many live bands and so many different things. Uh, it live music really gravitated. So that's where I started kind of getting a little bit more into the independent scene, started recognizing some bands that were opening acts on some bigger bills, but also they'd have their own headlining show at a small bar. Like well, this is a $5 show or a $7 show. And Holy shit. You know, I get to see this band and all of a sudden you, you kind of start to realize that, man, this is, this is, this is a good scene. This is, this is my scene. I like the metal. I like the loud. I like the energy. I'm a mosher. I still mosh now. Like, man, this video of me at loud as hell getting right in the pit. I don't give a shit. Let's, <laughs> let's go, man. Everyone's been bugging me. He's like, man, you need to just jump off the stage to stage dive. It's like, I don't know about do that. At this age. But I've, I've, I've stage dive before. I've, uh, I'm a crowd surfer. I, I love that shit. I'm a, I'm a mosh pit guy. I'm a, I, I grew up having long hair. I was always a windmill kind of guy. Just uh, so metals kind of what took over in the teens. And <clears throat> excuse me, now here I am like 30 years after that. And I still love metal, but even more so. Like I'm so drawn to, to the whole scene and all genres. You know, I get my day. I mean, lucky too. I, 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 I'm self-employed. So all day while I work, I'm listening to just a big playlist of 10,000 songs on shuffle. Yep. Some of the stuff that comes on, I don't even know what it is. If I really get into it, I actually stop what I'm doing, go over and take a look. What fucking band is this? Where are they from? Who am I talking to? Like, that's the way it works. I, I, I have music every day, all day. That's what I do. That's what I do. So putting on a festival, it just makes sense to me. It's just, yep. I, I consider myself a nice promoter, a good guy, an honest dude. Let's just uh, have fun and 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 share metal music, like <laughs> share it with the masses, right? That's yeah. I love it. I love it. I love. I, I still try to go as many shows as I can. Like I love it. I just I was just talking to the wife the other day. Uh, Lamb of God announced that big show that's going out in Vancouver, October eighth. I'm heading out there for that. I got to get the fuck out there, man. It's like it's at Thunderbird Stadium, open air. Lamb of God, Kill Switch. Suicide Silence, Fit for an Autopsy, Spirit Box. There's a bunch of bands. The next day in Vancouver is Testament, Nexodus, Jesus. Death Angel. I'm like, oh, like, yeah, I, I got to go. I can go to some shows. That's a great mix too. Like that's all over the place. Oh, that's so good. I love. That's what. That's what I love about it. Right. Yeah. I mean, like Loud as Hell. How many bands I've seen just Loud as Hell? Like hundreds and hundreds of bands mm-hmm. of all different types. Like you know, I, I would have never of experienced what a ninja spy show was like, you know, like complete ska metal. Like I, what the fuck is that? Like I, I did, what is going on? Like I, I, you don't even get to experience some of the stuff that you do without getting out there and checking it out, you know? And that's, that's, what's great about, it. I'm going to go to that big, that big show in Vancouver. And I, there's a handful of bands I've never heard of. I know I'm going to go walk away with going, fuck yeah, I'm buying a CD or, you know, I'm, I'm definitely downloading something, you know, like that, yeah. that's what it's about. I love going to shows. I'm the guy that's, oh, I'm not going to go just to see that band. I want to see every band. I want to see the first fucking band. Mm-hmm. I want someone to impress me or show me something that I'm going to go, fuck yeah, you guys rule. I'm taking my hat off. I'm going to spin some hair for you. That's what I look forward to. Right? I'm still like yeah. that now. I'm a kid. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fucking fanboy. It's brutal. I remember the first time we had Into Eternity, Amanda. First time I met them, I was like, oh my God. Like, this Tim, guitar player? I'm like, how do I even <laughs> we're breathing together? Like, I'm still a fanboy of that shit. You know, like when Fit for an Autopsy came up, it was like, I love those guys now. And it's even before it was like, holy fuck, like, I'm just sitting here bullshitting with Fit for an Autopsy. I'm a fanboy, man. I, I even tell people that, like, man, I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm going to be a, 
a fanboy. I go, fuck, I love this album. I fucking love what you did. You know, I'm, I'm serious about it. I'm very passionate. You can tell that. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a fucking joker. I'm, I'm 100% passionate, man. Um, I, I have an extensive music library. I get CDs sent to me all the time. I listen to everything. Mm-hmm. Every CD goes, I don't, I don't listen to downloaded music. Like I don't have like an iPod. Everything I listen to is on CD or vinyl. Unless I'm at work. Work is just a, a, all burned onto my my laptop. My computer at work has a big playlist that I've just burned from my personal CD collection. I have I don't know a couple thousand CDs. I got about six hundred vinyl. It's Jesus. out of control. That's awesome. Love it. Well, like you said, you're passionate. It just goes to show like how involved with the scene you are. And um, one thing that you mentioned is that going to concerts that you might not necessarily know or like the bands, but some of my favorite concerts are bands that I didn't know who they were prior to showing up or I didn't like them before showing up and their live music just fucking killed it. hundred percent, hundred percent. I get that all the time too. You're like, Oh, I'm not kind of interested, but all of a sudden the stage show just, you're like, Holy fuck. Like these guys are tight and they're, they're putting on, like, I can't take my eyes off stage. Like this is entertaining. Yep. Um, the first time I had seen the band obey the brave. Now we brought them as a headliner for, I think year four. Um, not a lot of people had heard of them. They're, they're from Montreal. Um, but I had seen them on a tour with Unearth, and I'm a big Unearth fan. Didn't know who the fuck Obey the Brave was, and they were this direct support. A friend of mine's band was playing earlier in the night, so we showed up early and watched all the bands. And Obey the Brave came on. I was like, "Fuck this guy! These guys are off. These guys are killing! Like, holy shit!" So after their set, I went over while they were changing out for Unearth and met a couple of the guys that were standing there. Gave them my card, shook their hand, bought their vinyls. Like, and that was an awesome set. Like. I had no fucking clue what I was getting into. And two years later, they headlined our fucking festival. Right? They had no idea who the fuck they were. They were on the Unearth tour. Cool. But I didn't even know they were Canadian. <laughs> I go to see them. Thought they were amazing on stage. Like, hey, these guys are really fucking good and they're different. Like, I like it. Oh, you guys are from Oh, you're from Montreal? What? What the fuck? What the fuck? And then I find out later that, oh, the singer is the same guy that's in fucking Despised Icon. I'm like, oh, well, I know who they are. Like, <laughs> that's what I mean. I would have never had onto them if I didn't, you know, show up to see see them play. I just yep. randomly, it was one of those things where I'm sitting down at the back, watching, listening, and checking it out. To second song in, I'm at the front of the stage, going, "Fuck yeah, guys! This is awesome!" Like, so you know, it's uh, yeah, you gotta live music. Is, a band can t- can capture you live, 100. Um, percent my girlfriend, wife, I call her my wife. We're, we've been together a long time. I call her my wife because we're pretty much married, right, honey? Anyways, um, <laughs> she listens to some country music. She likes the metal stuff. I've gotten her into it. But uh, in our relationship, we've had to compromise where, you know, well, I'm going to bring you to Testament so you can come and see Chuck Billy live. And then she's like, well, I want you to come and see Lady Antebellum. No problem. I'll go. Right. And I've been blown away multiple times of the talent I see in, in other genres, like Lady Antebellum. I went to a show in Edmonton at uh, Rexall Place, and, man, it was a, it was like a rock show. They had pyros. The stage setup was just unreal. Like, it was, it was such a good show. I was like, holy fuck, like, this is straight entertainment. You don't even have to like country music. The entertainment was amazing. I, I enjoyed 100% of that concert. I'm a fucking hardcore metalhead. But I thought I, I enjoyed the fuck out of that. It was great live music. You know, it's just as seeing uh, dueling p- piano players. Mm-hmm. 
lot of people find that kind of boring and kind of, man, I think that's amazing. I, I don't care the genre. I could get into some jazz. I could listen to that shit live all day. Something about perf- musicians performing live, I respect so much. Well, talent is talent, and it really doesn't matter. Like, if you like the music, and just a good example, I not somebody specifically, but if you, if they're a good singer, if they're a good instrumentalist or whatever, like, you can pick out certain things in that music that you like, even if you don't like the genre as a whole. 100%. 100%. Yeah, there's talent in every genre. Mm-hmm, totally. Yeah. And there's also shit music in every genre, but generally those 100%. those bands don't last. Yeah, true enough, true enough. Actually, I'm going to switch that up a little bit. I want to chat with you a little bit about um, like your tattooing career. So when did you get into that? And yeah, how did that come about? Um, I've been an artist ever since I was young, like ever since I was a kid. I've always been an artist. I've always was the guy that was drawing on himself. My desk was always, my locker inside of my locker was Sharpie marker scribbles all over shit. Um, so I've always been an artist. I've done graffiti and stuff. Uh, and then as I got a little bit older, um, my later teens, um, a friend of mine, that guy I knew, bought some sort of home tattoo gun machine kit thing. And so I was young and dumb and, oh, it's trying to give me a tattoo. And dumb idea, of course, but it kind of was like, man, this is a cool art form. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, me being an artist, like, this is really cool. As, as I got through like junior high, I was like, oh man, I'd love to be an animator for Walt Disney. Yeah, that's pretty hard to fucking pursue. Tattoo artist, hmm, that's something that maybe I could do. So as I got a little older, a little older, I started looking to a bit more until I finally was comfortable enough that I thought I could get out of the uh, the oil and gas industry and and take on a, an apprenticeship and take a step back with my finances and you know chill things down. But uh, I was getting so far into the oil patch, I was starting to not like my job. Uh, it was very demanding. I had young kids. So not being home all the time was rough, being on call all the time. So uh, uh, my ex and I, we made the deal that we were I was going to pursue this. So I quit my oil job and took an apprenticeship tattooing in Grand Prairie. Uh, that's where I was stationed at the time. And uh, I haven't looked back. That uh, I took that in 2001. Mm-hmm. And I apprenticed for three years and then I moved uh, and opened my studio here in Drumheller in 2004, where I've been for now 18 years in Drumheller. That's <laughs> so, amazing. Uh, and yeah. Congratulations too. Yeah. That's thank you. Cool. It's uh, it's uh, it's been, uh, it's been a good ride. It's uh, unfortunate for what I do because I love what I do, mm-hmm. um, but it's also gives me the um, flexibility to do, operate a festival, be a promoter, stuff like that. Um, you know, my, my tattooing takes a lot of my time, like any job. Uh, I'm just I'm fortunate that I get to enjoy it, but I, it still takes up time. It's still a job. It's still what I have to do on a daily basis. But it is also nice to have the flexibility of being your own boss, being um, self-employed, that I can do these other things. You know, like I take two weeks off at Loud as Hell the week before or the week after, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's a full setup and tear down and all the shit. So, you know, it's nice to have a job that I don't have to – you know, get approved holidays to take a two week chunk off where I'm actually going to be working the whole fucking time doing the festival, you know, yeah. uh, mind you, I don't get paid holidays. I'm self-employed, but the, the idea is like, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate that I love what I do 
and it gives me the freedom to be able to do other things that I am passionate about. So art, I've actually tattooed at the festival a few times. I've done oh, some cool. out tattoos. Uh, nice. We try to have tattooing at the festival every year if we can. I have a few friends of mine that are art tattoo artists I've known over the years. Come out and tattoo at the festival. Obviously, I'm a little too busy, but I have tattooed out there. I've done some some logo tattoos and shit on a few people, but um, we try to do tattooing out there every year. We're trying to get this year as well. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, how totally. did How did you feel the first time you tattooed someone? Um, first time I tattooed someone was myself. Okay. Um, that's interesting. I, I didn't find it. Yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't find it as bad. I, I, I think I was more motivated just to see what, what it was and mm-hmm. how it worked and kind of, you know, is this something I can actually, you know, I'm not just trying to, you know, do this to put fucking bunch of scabby tattoos on me. I'm, I'm looking at, is this something I could possibly do as a career? Mm-hmm. You know, I looked at it as, you know, I can something that I can be my own boss. It's different every single day. You're never tattooing the same thing. The person you're tattooing is always different. You never know what you're up against. You deal with the general public, right? Um, but you also get to have the passion side of things where you connect with people to do very meaningful and memorial style tattoos and stuff. So uh, I thought it was the optimal thing for me being the, the high compassion I have within myself for everything I put to, this made sense, you know. Tattoo is a very compassionate thing that people put thought and process into. It's not, you know, I'm not the kind of tattoo artist to just walk in one day and get something thrown on you. You know, I book far in advance. Everything is done at a certain pace that people are comfortable to come in and have their artwork done. And, you know, you get your tattoo. Uh, I try to make it a full experience. I'm a private solo tattoo studio. We don't have like a, a big storefront. I'm above a brewery now. It's a by appointment only. It's super, super awesome that I get to do what I get to do. So yeah, I'm, I love it. It's it's like I said, it's the passion really dropped me to it because I get to change people's lives on a daily basis for the most part. And that, that, that could be as little as just changing somebody's, the way they look at themselves, their self-confidence to putting a memory of a, a pet or, or a loved one that has lost or something that gives you a true emotion from artwork that you permanently have on you. Like there's nothing that beats that feeling of being the guy that gets to give that feeling to you. Right. You know, yeah. it's the same as the festival, you know, I, I get high off of the idea that people are loving what we're putting on. When I am backstage and I'm looking out over three, 400 people in front of the stage that feeling I get from that is why I why I do it. Same with tattooing. That feeling I get from people of the accomplishment that I've done exactly what you know they want out of that that intimate experience. You know, tattoos are intimate. They're mm-hmm. you know, I'm 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 putting something on you that's permanently there for the rest of your life. And uh, you know, uh, an artist like me that's not just like a walking street shop. You know, I only do people that tattoo people that have meaning for their tattoos i don't just you don't just come in and pick something off the wall and yeah it's come see me in two hours i'll fit you in kind of thing that's not what i do right it's 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 more of a connection to my my my, my clients who are my friends well and you're right? spending a lot of time with them and like from personal experience i know that like one of my the most rewarding experiences i have is um sitting there for hours with my artist whether we're talking or not like um you grow that relationship over time and when you for me, like I'm excited when I get a tattoo. I know how much it or how good it feels for me. So I can only imagine how much how good it feels for the artist being like, yeah, that's that's my work. That's the passion that I put into it and the effort that I put into it. 
Yeah, it's got to feel incredible. It does feel incredible, and that's that's why I do it, though. I mean, that's that's what it's about. I'm a very compassionate person, you know. I uh, I, I cry talking about this shit. That's you know, it's, it it really does bring emotion inside of me when I think about these sort of things. You know, yeah. I'm 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 that way. Like I'm the guy that uh, I get emotional at the national anthem. You know, like I'm watching the, the Edmonton Oilers series when they were in the playoffs there, and listen to that whole crowd in Edmonton sing it without the the microphone. I cry every damn time, man. Every time it just it hits, it hits you there. And that's the same thing as what I do for a living. That when you get that connection with somebody that you've, you know, you've done what, you know, the healing process for them is because of what you've done. You can't get a better feeling than that. Same as the festival. You can't, when someone comes up to me and hugs me at the end of the festival and says, thank you. It's like, thank you. Like it's your, Thank you for giving me this passion, this this emotion that I feel, because that's I don't think there's anything better in the world than that feeling. You get that from you know watching a child be born that you have, or mm-hmm. you know watching a child get married or getting married yourself. All these things that break that raw emotion. I get that out of promoting a festival. I get that out of doing tattoos on people that really mean something. I love that. Well, that shows a true level of passion. That's uh, that's pretty incredible. I've met some tattoo artists in the past that are just, they're not on that same level and they just seem not to give a shit. And I remember um, my first tattoo was a little piece of shit for lack of better terms. And it was a small shop in Calgary, but basically I walked in and I said, I picked the wall. I'm like, I want that one. I mean, granted, I was 15 years old and my uh, my parents actually gave me the like written permission. They were there with me, but yeah. Um, they were the ones trying to get me not to get the tattoo, but I thought it was pretty cool. And I was like, I'm going to get this. But anyways, that's since been covered up. And now like now my entire torso is pretty much done. So nice, nice. It's a totally different experience. And I know, I don't know who's going to listen to this that doesn't have tattoos. Yes, it's painful. Yes, it sucks. But it is one of the most rewarding, incredible experiences that I've ever had. So I agree. I agree. And like you said, how, um, you, know, you spend a lot of time with those people, you know, like if you've got that much tattoo, you know how much time goes in, and, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, just even doing a full sleeve, you know, if you're in there for 30 or 40 hours, that's a lot of one-on-one intimate time. Like you, you really get to know your, your, your people, which also, as you gain with your clientele and your, you become friends, you start to understand them even more and the tattoos get more elaborate and complex. And that's where you build those relationships, you know, and that's, that's you know, where you're at, where, where it's just uh, that that's that's the end goal. That's what you want. You want that out of people, right? Yeah, and it's a mutual respect, but there's a lot of trust involved there too. Like for me to go in and uh, have like a drawing set out, like I've never said no to what my artist um, presents. But at the same time, if I was like, yeah, that doesn't work, he'd be like, yeah, no problem. No big deal at all. Yeah, but like you said, over that time, he gets to know my style, gets to know kind of what I enjoy. So he's making better and better artwork over time. And I can see that evolution on my body. It's pretty fucking cool. Totally. I, I even take it a step further uh, myself. I've done actually some uh, some courses on um, reading people. Um, have you ever heard like the colors of personality or anything like that? Um, there's ways that um, I've taken some courses that, that cost money to uh, – learn how to read and understand somebody from meeting them for 10 seconds hmm. uh, on, on how I perceive, how I would say something. I can say the same thing to four people in front of me and they're all going to take it completely different in a different way yep. where I've, I, I try to help understand what I try to need from the client and put it in a perspective that, you know, makes them give it to me in a sense 
but I can read people really well that way. I mean, I trained for it to, to understand that I can tell if someone's not into it or, or they're kind of okay with it. I don't want that. I want to 100% yeah, that's yep. what we're doing. Like, like that's, that's the, the end goal is you need that for it. So um, yeah, I did a little bit of like a first uh, colors of personality. It's called, it's a really cool course where uh, they just basically teach you how to recognize the way certain people are. They, they group everybody that did a certain color and it's really easy to dictate who's a green color or a blue color. And those people have certain personality traits about themselves hmm. that maybe you need to say things a certain way for them to understand it better or to, for them to relay that data to you. Sometimes I can say the right thing to get the exact information I'm looking for, if I'm not totally getting what they're trying to put down. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was, it was some neat courses I took to, to, uh, to help with that a little bit, to get a better understanding on, you know, if someone's really emotional about a tattoo and they want to do something or, uh, you know, when I show someone and they're like, yeah, I like that, you know, the, the eyebrow movement, the eyes, the, the things, there's certain things I know that I should say that that gives them some comfort and some feel that, Hey man, I'm not a dick here. We can draw this 16 times. It doesn't matter. You know, I think some people get, a little nervous and a little anxious and uptight to go to see a drawing and that some people will be like, I just like it. They just don't want to have the confrontation of, well, no, I don't like it. Or I don't like this about it where you try to make it persuasive that, no, that's okay. That's what we want. I don't want you just to take the first thing I drew. I mean, if that's exactly what you're looking for, cool. Yeah. But I mean, ideally give me some input. Do you feel it should have a little of this more, a little of that, or, take it a little bit of a different direction or even just the scheme or the, the, the light source, you know, a few different things that you can do to, you know, make it better. Try to give people a more open mind of talk to your artists. Well, you're not doing the artist any, any service by yeah. saying, yes, everything's great. Like they, they learn. And obviously this is another assumption. I'm not an artist. Um, again, correct me if I'm wrong, but if they're saying everything you're doing is great, you're not learning anything. Very true. Very true. The some of the best challenges that make you a better artist are the ones that take the longest to get to the right spot. Yeah. You know, like if you're working on a design, I can put two or three hours into one little drawing, and at the end of the day, it's awesome, and the person loves it. <clears throat> Excuse me. But then you could do the same thing with, uh, you know, a ten-hour drawing, and person be completely not in love with it, but have the same reaction. I want the. I want it to be that. You, know, you tell me, like. I'm, I, I want to be the coolest, chillest guy. Tell me to redraw this. Give me the challenge to do more to this. Well, and it's going to be on the body for the rest of your life. So Yeah. But I love it when people say, oh, well, let's do this. Do this. Yeah, I want a challenge. Yep. If I'm giving you the first first crack and, and I've, I've nailed on the first time, you're not challenging me. That's true. In a sense. It's a challenge yeah. to draw it. But when you start telling me a little bit more of, no, I actually would prefer this or this and, and be a little bit more open and talk, talk about it that way. Man, I, I it's much more challenging for me. I want that. I wanted to, man, I had to draw it seven times to get it, what you wanted. Perfect. That was a challenge. I know exactly what you're looking for, the style. or you know, It gives me a better understanding of what the tattoo should be and, and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's, that is a challenge. It's, it's always challenging yourself that way. But, I mean, even on top of that, just the skin types and the people and the person and how they handle their tattoo creates all different challenges in itself. But the artwork is part of the passionate part of that I do, which I like to challenge, to challenge myself artistically, mm-hmm. not as far as patience and, and dealing with customers and clients and dealing with the general public, but 
to challenge myself artistically. I need people to to give it to me, right? Like, like come at me with your crazy, weird, wacko shit. I want to draw something for you that's for you that that's challenging me. You know, you want you come to me and you want a uh, a rose with a pocket watch. Well, I'm gonna hit all that on the first time because that's fucking you know it's it's, it's there. Mm-hmm. Tell me you want to do some more shit that's going to be a little bit more unique, custom. That's what we do, right? Yep. Not, like I said, I'm not a flash shop. You come, we draw something for you. You bring me a design, I'm going to change it so it's one of a kind. I want to be able to make it so it's a one tattoo for one person. You have to, see to what it is. you have to like explore. You kind of have to exercise your creative freedom, but at the same time, you want to do something that they want. And then judging by the amount of effort and attention that you put into your work, that just makes people want to come back. Like to me, if if I went to a tattoo artist and they just gave me everything and be like, yeah, fine, whatever. It's like, maybe I would go somewhere else because it, it doesn't seem like they're putting in as much of an effort. But if they're saying, no, I want this done for you, not for everybody, just for you. And they make it custom. They make it exactly what you want. That's what's going to bring me back to that artist. Yeah. And then that's the difference between having like a, a flash street shop compared to a custom artist that's, that's, takes the time with each individual clientele you know it's uh you're not just uh uh another you know dollar sign walking through the door you actually are developing a rapport and a relationship with this with your artist because it's a difference between being a collector like yourself to someone that's just uh i have a couple spotted tattoos they can go in and pick something off that's super easy for them super they don't they don't have as much thought process they don't really have a big meaning behind their tattoo. I want to get, you know, a cool eagle head or whatever it is. And there's people that are like that. People like yourself and people that are more ideally my kind of clientele are the people that put more thought, passion, and heart into what they're doing and what they're getting done, right? Mm-hmm. There's, there's two types of clientele out there. There are people that are the opposite of people like you and me that put that proper respect into their artist and, and the artist gives it back to you don't care who the artist is, who can get me in today. And if two of you can get me in today, who's going to be cheaper? Yeah. Right? Those people exist everywhere. Those aren't my type of clientele. I'm, no, I book six months in advance. Yep. So, you know, anybody that wants a tattoo like that, Jeremy, wait six months. So my clientele are the people that are contacting me for something that is special to them. And that's where I put the challenges. I'm going to be, make this special for you, right? Give me the exactly. challenge of making this uh, one of a kind piece that's just for you. I yeah, think that's why, the best way to go well, about it. Yeah, why spend a couple thousand dollars on a on a on a painting you can put over your fireplace mantle that could that could be damaged or stolen or all these different things when you can take that money and invest into artwork that you get to control. You get the idea of whatever the concept you want it to be. You control the artwork of it. You could buy a nice painting, it could be the nicest painting ever, but you're going into a store uh, and you're looking at a gallery that's got paintings that are pre-painted. You're not commissioning someone to paint that for you. Exactly. Right? With a tattoo, you get to do that. You get it to be personable. And that is the difference between people that can just, you know, go into a gallery and pick a painting out compared to I'm going to commission someone to paint me a painting that's going to be what I want it to be. That's the difference between those type of clientele. So, yeah, and that's what I like to do with them. I'm a custom artist. That's why I've been probably in Drumheller for 18 years. And I've booked six months in advance at all times kind of thing. You know, it, uh, it goes with the, with it, you know, people have a trust into it because I've shown the development and the passion to uh, continually challenge myself to put out what people want. And it's consistency. So, yeah, exactly. hundred percent. 
18 years I've seen tattoos I've done in this town. I did 18 years ago that I still I'm like, oh man, what I've learned from then. It's it's crazy. But but I mean that's that's part of growth and and, and okay, that's what I love about it. Yep. Um, our industry is a little flooded with people. There's a lot of artists now, like there's shops everywhere. But a lot of these artists are super young. There's like there's this one guy, I'm looking at his work and it's like super good. The guy's 23 years old. Mm -hmm. It's like holy fuck, man. He's only been tattooing a year and a half, not even quite two years. It's like, man, you're clean already, but I mean, how does that tattoo look eight years from now or mm -hmm. 10 years from now, even five years from now? Does it look that good? Like, do you know you're saturating the color and the skin? Like all these guys, yeah, you're putting out good stuff at first, but how does it age? Mm -hmm. You know, like, how does it look 10 years from now? You, I've been in the same place for 18 years. I've seen my shit age. I've seen where it is. Yeah. And I've learned from that. Like, you know, like that's, that's part of the process, but you got to be careful with with artists nowadays. There's a lot of guys that seem to be really good, but I mean, these guys that uh, are doing nice work that haven't been around a long time. I mean, they really don't know how well they're putting those tattoos in or anything like that. Really, I mean, they have no fucking clue because they, they're so fresh at it, right? So exactly. You know, I was there at one time too, but yeah, you know, everybody uh, starts somewhere. Yeah, so 100. Normally, the last question I ask uh, band members is how uh, the best place to find their music, and obviously, Loud as Hell comes with its own website and its own. Um, Anyways, its own environment, really. So yeah. loudasheld.ca is the best way to, place to go if you want tickets and stuff like that. But as far as uh, supporting your tattoo career, how is the best? Sorry, what is the best way for people to find you, and how is the best way that they can support you? Um, for the tattooing, I, I use Facebook and, and Instagram pretty much mostly. I'm not a, a big social media guy, uh, which is kind of weird, but. Um, uh, I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm busy, so I don't post a lot of photos anymore of, of my work, but I do have galleries up. Uh, but yeah, you can, you can get me uh, on Instagram at Jurassic Inc. Tattoo and on uh, Facebook at Jurassic Inc. Custom Tattoo. And then uh, same with Loud as Hell, we're on Facebook and Instagram and also our Loud as Hell page on the web is, like you said, loudashell.ca. That is the link to get your tickets for the festival this year. They're only $150 for all three days. That includes your camping. That includes two pancake breakfasts and a big hug for me. I'm going to take it's you up on that. Idea. Oh, yeah. I'm a, I'm a hugger. I love it. <laughs> I actually hugged so many people last year. Uh, I can't – I'm going to find out what the guy's name. I, I can recall the band. But he gave me a hug so hard, man. It, like, damaged some ribs. It was on a <laughs> Sunday. For two weeks after that, man, I had troubles breathing. It was like, what's wrong with you? Man, I, I hugged like 200 people and I just, I got a good hug one time and it just, it got me the wrong way, you know? But yeah, I, I love the hugs. That's, uh, you know, even with the way COVID was last year when we did the festival, that was something that we don't, we're family here. Mm -hmm. we, we, we hug a lot. We, we, it's all bro and everything like that. That's, that's what we want. We want that Kamar to be out there, the atmosphere that, you know, people that even you just met, you're giving everyone a hug and looking out for each other. That's that's very important. It very is important. important yeah. And if I feel that if I'm the uh, at the top of the pole as the promoter, if I'm doing it, it should trickle down through everybody. So I really, you know, the more people you hug, the more people they're going to hug, and and it's uh, it's contagious. And I like that about it because it's a it's a great feeling. So yeah, for sure, definitely going to be getting a big hug, buddy. Awesome. I'm excited to see you at uh, Loud as Hell. Um, Jeff, I want to thank you again for joining me today and taking time out of your busy schedule. Uh, man, I appreciate you having me on. I appreciate getting the promo out for us and, and doing what you're doing. It's awesome. It was uh, it's good to get you know a little bit. And uh, like I said, you'll get a nice big hug when we see each other. And 
Fuck less than six weeks. Holy yeah. shit. All right. We'll see you soon then. All right, man. Take care. Thank you for tuning in, and we will see you next time on Gyro Nation Metal. Please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. The podcast can be found on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. If you would like to support this podcast, please consider checking out my Patreon. Thank you.